Welcome to Communication on Point. I'm your host, Dean Hefta. Today, my special guest is Richard Haddon. Richard is a specialist in the area of that connection between people and profit. He works with organizations to help them increase their approach to employee engagement. And today, that's never been more important than ever when it comes to staying connected when we aren't together. Our conversation dives into insights that we can put into work in whatever business we're in when it means that we have to connect with people that maybe we're not seeing each day, or maybe we just need to increase our ability to create that engaging environment for our employees to be able to do their best. I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation with you, and thank you for joining me today on Communication on Point. Let's get started. Well, Richard Haddon, welcome to Communication on Point. Thank you, Dean. It's great to be here. So I'm excited for our conversation because, you know, our <laughs> it's cliche to say, but our, our world, our environment has really changed in this past year. And um, you are an expert in the world of employee engagement. And the big question that I want to understand from you revolves around keeping employees engaged when I can't see them. You know, this whole yeah. remote work world. What do I need to keep in mind? What do I need to know about employee engagement when I can't see them? Well, I mean, the first thing is you you need to know that I think from a leadership perspective, the focus needs to be on those employees. And and what is it that they had in, a, in an in-person environment that they may not have in that remote environment? People still want to I mean, they have the same needs, whether they're working remotely or on site. They have the same needs. So then we have to ask the question, how do we provide those needs in a situation where we're not face-to-face with them? So if we think about uh, people want to know how their work matters. So people want to know, you know, everything, what I do every day, how does it affect our customers or our clients or our end users or, or whoever? And uh, sometimes when you're on site, it's easier to see that. When you're not uh, on site, you have to make those messages a little louder. In fact, I think a lot of it has to do with being, as a leader, being more deliberate, being more communicative, and being more visible. <laughs> I mean, it's ironic to say visible because you, you can't, you're not there with them, but to be more visible, even in a virtual sense, than we were before, because we have to do something to fill in those gaps, to fill in that silence. So it can feel like if I'm not around them physically, like maybe I was before, mm-hmm. uh, I can feel a little bit handicapped. But my, as you're talking, as you're, as you're sharing that, you know, how does my work matter? And some of these key needs that um, I think we should explore a little bit later. When we think about the the changes that COVID and work from home have had, is there a chance that they've really just exposed poor engagement and poor leadership that was already there? Yeah, in in many cases, it it certainly has, uh, because when you know people have said to me, well, you know, I very rarely saw my my boss, or I rarely, very rarely saw the senior leaders in the organization. Um, and now it's like, I never see them. You know, it, it went from occasionally happening to, happening to see them if they happen to be in the same part of the building to, 
now they don't. And, and there's an easy way to combat that or to correct that. And that is to be very deliberate as, as a senior leader to say, OK, I have to work differently now because I'm, people are not just going to, to see me or to have a chance encounter with me. There are no chance encounters in a virtual world. I have to be very deliberate. And so some of the things that we see doing, uh, people doing, and this doesn't have to be people in the senior leadership level, but sometimes it is, would be the CEO will, will simply attend team meetings that groups are having. That never happened before. The CEO never went to team meetings, but now the CEO can say, okay, look, I, I know you're having a team meeting at such and such a time on Tuesday. Hey, can I get a Zoom invitation and just pop in? Because I want to tell the group how much we appreciate what they're doing from, from, you know, in their remote environment. So if you're, if you're a senior leader and you're going to do this, don't just show up and say, hello, here I am, but thank them for something specific. So it's all about being more deliberate, being more intentional and communicating more and being more present even than we were before. Well, Richard, you said a lot there and I want to key on that, that comment about the CEO or the leader coming to the team meeting. I had a, a, uh, uh, coaching client actually bring this up uh, because of some recent experiences where the leader had simply showed up at a working meeting where they had limited amount of time, mm -hmm. really key deadlines, things that need to get done. And the leader showed up and took basically 30 minutes of that. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and it, he said it just kind of derailed everything. And so yeah. it seems like there's some good intentions behind it, but what are, if I'm in that leadership position yeah. and my intention is stay plugged in, what are the things that I need to make sure that I keep in mind? First of all, you need to ask for an invitation, not barge in. So you need to be invited. And, and people might say, well, wait a minute, I'm the CEO of this place. Yeah, you are. And you need to be invited to this meeting. You need to keep it very brief. And the main purpose of this is not to share your, your, you know, your vision and your you know, glowing statements and all that kind of thing. There's another time and another place for that. My view is in this particular situation, show up and thank the team for the work that they're doing. Something specific if you can. And wh what that does, Dean, is it gives them the message, okay, look, this person knows that we exist. They know what we're doing. And they've taken a few minutes to come and tell us how much they appreciate it. We do not need to hear a long, you know, a long address, a long speech or anything from this person. That might be appropriate for a, a whole group kind of a setting where if, if the CEO is making some announcements or, or um, casting a vision or something like that, but not in the situation I'm referring to. Well, how about we call that the ABC? Uh, you got to ask to attend. Yep. You need to be brief. Yep. And while you're there, either be caring or congratulatory. Yeah, that's great. So leaders need to be deliberate. There's no more accidental, uh, you know, running into people. Yeah. So... How do I know? I mean, I can convince myself that I'm a very deliberate leader. How do I really know? Well, I think you want to look at what you're doing now compared to what you used to do. You know, how, how are you acknowledging people now? How are you communicating with people now? Uh, it's much more push rather than pull. Uh, in, in this situation. So you need to evaluate and say, am I specifically making strides to stay in touch with people, to tell them how much I appreciate them, to communicate them with them? Am I doing things to keep colleagues connected with each other, not just myself connected with the person who reports to me, but what are we doing to maintain what I call the spirit of the hive? 
you know, it's it's a little bit uh, difficult to measure, but it is very easy to observe this uh, this kind of team camaraderie and spirit, which used to thrive in a community when we all were in the same place, but it really struggles in that individual isolation that we find ourselves, that many people find themselves in now. So it's easy for us to key on a sense that everything has changed, but probably not everything has changed, right? What, right. what are some of the things that you see that, that really aren't the change that maybe people think there is? Well, uh, you've heard me say before, Dean, that uh, really the premise of everything that I do is this, that creating a focused, engaged, and capably led workforce is one of the best things any organization can do for its bottom line. And that statement is still as true today as it was a year ago or before COVID, um, that creating, creating that kind of workforce is a bottom line issue. And something else that hasn't changed is what people need uh, in the workplace. And, and this comes from, from our decades of research with, uh, with what employees respond the best to. And things that we know that people need, j- just a few, we know they need clarity around the mission. We know they need feedback. They need a sense of safety. They need to know how their work matters. They need development and they need that whole team synergy. Well, all of those things can still be provided in a remote setting, but it requires a different approach and it requires you to be more, more deliberate, more conscious of, of how, how do I do that? For, I mean, we'll just take feedback, for instance, you know, in the old days, you know, before March 1st, we would be walking around the office and, and, and you would say to somebody, hey, hey, Dean, that was a great, uh, great, I, I saw that thing that you did and, and it was a great uh, approach to that, really appreciate your work on that and hey, I think that's really going to prove to be successful for us. You would say that just walking around. Now you've got to, you've got to be deliberate to go to that person. Uh, online if you're not working with them. And I mean, you can get, you can get on the phone and call them. You can Zoom them. You can email them. You can do whatever. But it just requires, because, it, and as people have said to me, we have lost the spontaneity of the on-site workforce and workplace. And yeah, we have. So we have to make sure that we adapt for that. And the way I look at almost all of this is, what is the objective we're trying to, uh, to achieve? How do I have to do it differently in order to achieve that objective? Well, in order to achieve spontaneity before, I didn't have to think about it. It just happened. It arose from, from being co-located in the same place. Now, if I want some spontaneity, there are some things I can do. Uh, and uh, just as an example, um, there, are, uh, there are workplaces that encourage people just to turn on, you know, whatever they use, Zoom or Microsoft Teams or, or whatever, just to, to keep an open chat, uh, video, audio chat going all the time while they're sitting at their, at their desk working. And just like it was in the office, you know, you hear a little background noise. And I thought this was weird the first time I heard somebody talk about it. So I participated in one with a company one time. And I thought, you know, this is actually pretty, pretty good. And, and people would say things, hey, hey Dean, I, I got a question for you. Can, can, let, let, let's go into our private chat room and talk for a minute. You know, so something and, and so I saw a little bit more of the spontaneity that I think has been lost in all this. So it sounds like it's being really deliberate about creating in the environment that allows for that spontaneity to happen, whatever that means for the type of business we're in, because a, a, a finance firm versus a, a marketing company or different things, every company is going to have their own dynamics of what works for them. Right. 
Yeah. And you know, what? one of the best things I heard, and this was well, at least six months ago, and that was someone said, look, stop trying to equate virtual with in-person interaction. They are not the same. You're just going to frustrate yourself if you try to, you know, try to recreate that in exactly the same way. Again, you got to remember, it's, it's just very different. Uh, the objectives can be the same, but the way you get there is different. So don't pretend that virtual is the same as in-person. Just acknowledge the difference and, and respond in that way. One of your most popular books is called Contented Cows Give Better Milk, which I think is one of the best titles for a book that has ever been put out there. And it's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, t- tell me about the, the, the heart of that and what that really means uh, when it comes to leadership and communication and connection in, in our organizations. Yeah. Well, about 20, gosh, 25 years ago now, Bill Catlett, my business partner and co-author, and I began down this road looking at to say, you know, can we find some correlation between an organization's strategy around employee engagement and how well they perform as a business? And over 25 years, we've done tons and tons of research, and we can't find anything other than the fact that organizations that are deliberate and intentional and strategic about having an organization built on employee engagement, they almost consistently, almost universally perform better financially than organizations that are not like that. And so if that's the case, whether people are working in the same building or office or not, or whether they're all working distributed all over the country, working in their own houses or across the world, working from a, you know, from a a balcony on the Costa del Sol, wherever they might happen to be, um, how do we make sure that we, that we achieve those same things? And we really found three things that hold this all together. Number one, people need to be committed to their organization, maybe not for life, but for some relevant period of time, really committed to their organization. Secondly, they need to be enabled to do their best work. And third, they need to be cared about. Well, I can do all three of those things in a remote setting. I have to approach it differently, but I can do all three of those of those things. Well, what I appreciate about that is uh, getting really clear, committed, enabled, and cared about adds clarity to engagement because it seems that the term engagement can really get watered down, misconstrued. What are some of the misconceptions that you run into when it comes to employee engagement? I think the biggest one is uh, this kind of um, idea that, well, to get people engaged, you know, and create a great workplace, you have to give them a lot of a lot of creature comforts and goodies and things like that. You know, and some of this stuff, it it runs, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep. It's just kind of surface and, you know, M&Ms in the break room. Yeah, well, okay, great. That big deal. Um, And yet what we find is it goes a lot beyond that. You know, I I hear things. There's a there's a seminar that I do where I say, give me some some, you know, uh, elements of a great workplace and people will say, oh, well, that you must be talking about, um, you know, having uh, nap rooms and and on site gyms and on site daycare and things like that. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm really talking about is leadership and showing people that you care about them when times are tough, when times are not so tough. And let's face it, there's been very little time that wasn't so tough in the year 2020. So what are you doing when times are difficult? What are you doing to involve people's ideas? What are you doing to acknowledge the fact that most of your employees are closer to the customer than the managers are? So let's mine that good information and those good insights and perspectives that they have. That's really what 
what engagement is about. It's about removing the obstacles to them doing their work. So if we if we translate that to a virtual world, what are we doing to make sure people have the right tools, the right technology, the right virtual tools, if you will, to work remotely? Do they, you know, and are we teaching people and training people uh, in how to use the various tools and platforms that we have all become a lot more adept at uh, this year? And, and enable them to really be successful, to have that feel. Because there's nothing better. Well, there maybe are a few things better. But in terms of the workplace, there's nothing better than, you know, knowing that you did a great job and that you made somebody happy. Somebody who's paying for your product or service, you made them happy. And if, if we can stay in touch with how we're doing that, then people can continue to be connected to their work. But we also have to make sure people are connected to each other. And and one of the things that we hear over and over and over is an intense sense of isolation and loneliness from people uh, in the workplace. And some people are okay with that, but a lot of people are really finding it difficult to be as productive as they once were when they don't have that interaction with their coworkers. Yeah, certainly for many people, the primary social interaction is what they got at work because maybe they're not involved in other activities, you know, community activities, church, et cetera, et cetera. And even those things have gone away. So it's this multi-pronged challenge. But, you know, as they say, this too shall pass. And so the question is, what are the lessons that we can learn from this? And what I heard you say in there, I'll sum up in thinking it uh, like a company might think, oh, we're going to create engagement because we're going to pay for daycare and have it on site. And we're going to have a gym and we're going to have free lunch. Yeah. But if my, if my boss is a jerk. Right. Exactly. Yeah. None of that matters. I'll still leave. Yeah, exactly. So how do you, if you have a measurement, I mean, how do I measure the impact of my direct manager on my performance and my satisfaction at a company? Is that measurable? How do you think about those types of things? Well, some of it has to do, I mean, one of the easiest things to measure, I guess, is is turnover. Uh, you know, do people leave? Do people stay? Uh, that's one kind of surface measure. If you have a pocket, uh, you know, that's managed by a particular manager and nobody wants to come work there or nobody wants to stay there, that's a real strong indication. But the things that are more difficult to measure would be really how engaged are people? How into their work are they? I mean, that's, that's one thing we didn't talk about earlier uh, that I usually say early on in a conversation like this. And that is people say, well, what, you know, what do you, what is engagement? How do you define engagement? You know, and it's not a complicated, um, def, not a complicated definition. It is simply how into it are you, you know, how into your work are you? And you can tell when people are into it and when they're kind of out of it. And so if I'm doing a good job of engaging my employees, they're going to be really into what they're doing. They're going to be using what we know as discretionary effort, which is that that element of effort that we all have at our disposal that we don't have to use for our employer if we don't want to. But if we are engaged, we will want to. That's going to show up in ways like logging on uh, to our workplace. I used to say showing up at our workplace, but logging on to our workplace earlier than, than we need to be. Not worrying so much about the time uh, that we're there. Uh, helping other people, doing things that are not necessarily just in our uh, in our wheelhouse, and I'm not talking about doing work that we have no business doing, but you know, helping others, uh, contributing, going above and beyond. So when we have people who are engaged, that's what we see. They go above and beyond. They go that extra mile. They don't just look at what is their 
uh, job description and what is in their set of responsibilities. Well, I, I like that. Um, certainly, the the leadership relationship with the employee is is so important. And um, when you talk about discretionary discretionary effort, a, um, a gentleman I was talking to this is many years ago. He had worked as a security guard in a company that had been very successful. They'd grown over eighty years, uh, been very successful, privately held, and they ended up. Uh, getting purchased by a Fortune 50 company. Hmm. And he said it was fascinating to watch this evolution. He says the the purchasing company came in and basically said, you know, we're going to have expectations and and we don't owe you anything. And he said, typically, in my experience, there would be people there at five in the morning, mm. nine at night, Saturdays, because he got to see all hours as a security guard. Yeah. And he said, you would be shocked. He said, after (laughs) they came in and delivered this strong message, you would get run over at the exit (laughs) at five o'clock. Yeah. They just destroyed that discretionary effort. Yeah. That's a pretty stark example. It really is a very clear example. What do I do if I'm an employee and I'm not getting from my leader, from my manager, the things that I would like to be getting, you know, what's the employee's role in all of this? Cause it's easy for us to focus on the leader. Sure. But what's the employee's role? Well, communication is always uh, one of the most important things. And that is if you have that open line of communication with your leader, just to simply go to that person and say, Hey, look, I, I, I know, you know, we've, <laughs> we've all been in this only for about eight or nine months now. We, we don't really, none of us is real good at this uh, engaging and so forth uh, from a distance. Uh, let me, di- let me help you by telling you what I need. And, you know, here's what you've provided that is working great, but here are some other things uh, that I need as well. So, you know, and I know not everyone has that kind of relationship and, and that's unfortunate, but if they do to simply go to the leader and say, look, here's, here's what's working great. But to be honest, if, if I'm going to be as productive as we need me to be, then I'm going to need this, 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 and that as well. Well, I think that's important because it's easy for us to sit back and hope that somebody else is, somebody else changes so that we can get what we want. But really we, yeah. especially in this economy, and especially yeah. in this distributed work world, this flattened organization, companies are looking to hire adults. Yeah. And adults have the uh, ability and the wherewithal to ask for their needs to get met. Yes. And, you know, if we're going to be expected to be entrusted with more responsibility, I believe it's a, a way that we can do that is by being responsible enough to let others know how things can be better, even if I'm not the formal leader or whatever you want to call it in your organization. Yeah. yeah. So when you think about engagement, and you think about all of the different situations that people might find themselves in. And maybe you're talking to somebody on a phone call. Maybe you're having a chat with somebody at a uh, at an airport. What's one big thing that you want to make sure that people take away from that conversation, from our conversation today? Maybe it's something you haven't even talked about yet. Yeah. yeah. But what, what's something you want to make sure to highlight? Well, I want to make sure that people come away from here with a perspective that pandemic or no pandemic, working remotely is here to stay to some degree. 
the rabbit is out of the hat on working from home. People have been to the promised land. They have seen what's on the other side of the river. And there's an awful lot of research, empirical and anecdotal, that says a lot of people have no desire nor intention to go back to a traditional co-located workplace. And you might say, well, you know, if, if we tell them they have to come back, they will come back. Not necessarily. In fact, I would say no, because now the option to work from anywhere has become a major competitive advantage in the war for talent. And so I think it's really important for leaders to understand that, yeah, they're good. I mean, nobody is is hoping for relief from this situation more than I am, more than you are, Dean. And so we know that at some point, hopefully in 2021, uh, we're going to see a much different world in a good way than, than we're seeing now. But people have learned that they can work remotely. They can be very productive. Many people find that they're just as happy and engaged and, and, and contented as they can be working in a remote situation most of the time. And so we're going to have to be prepared to offer that as a menu item. And when we start looking at how do we attract, retain, and engage the very best talent for our organizations, if we say, yep, you're going to have to come and work in the office all the time, they're going to say, I don't think so, because there's of the, of the 50 offers I'm considering, you know, 35 of them are allowing me to, to work remotely. So I think that's the biggest thing that I see is that uh, we're never going to get all that toothpaste back in the tube. I mean, things, some things are going to go back, but not everything. And I think that's what, what we really need to keep in mind and move forward with that uh, from that perspective. Well, it's, it's a great point and a great thing to remind people of because it's the organizations and the leaders that recognize and adapt to that reality that are that will, you know, win from it. And I know there's um, many tech organizations that have said we're never going back into the traditional right. in-office work because they have the ability very easily to distribute their work. And some of them are actually creating uh, recruiting um, strategies that involve non-traditional geographies. Yeah. Know, more rural type environments. And that's right. certainly that's a huge access to uh, new talent. And that's going to be access to global talent, right? So some things are simply going to move global when previously they had to be in uh, Silicon Valley or wherever they were. So that's each right. industry will certainly be affected differently. Yes. Well, Richard, this is a tremendous uh, insight and really important work because it's it's really the work on the people that uh, make up who we are as organizations and the impact we have on our communities. And that is that is work that changes people's lives. And I appreciate you sharing your insights and your perspectives on things that we can do to make a difference in that area. If, if a listener is looking to get more information about the work that you do and the things you have going on, where would you direct them? First, I would direct them to my website, which is contentedcows.com. I have to emphasize the S on the end of that because there is a, a website called contentedcow.com, but it's for a pub. So yeah, come to contentedcows.com. Um, gosh, there's all kind of information, uh, there, uh, I've developed a new uh, program, uh, both in a keynote and workshop fashion uh, or format, uh, where uh, that talks about leading from a distance. Very specific things to do in a remote and hybrid workplace. 
And so there's some information on the homepage of the uh, website about that. Well, Richard, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights on employee engagement and all the things that go into it. Thank you for the opportunity to be here, Dean. Take care. Thank you. Bye.